Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it it, it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun Mm -hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap that coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterfly turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 347, Thoughts of a Competitive Turkey Caller with Hunter Lemoyne, and I am your co-host... And the guy who is coming up with a few more creative ways to cook wild turkey. Nice. I'm your co-host and the guy who is celebrating his wife's birthday. Yes, you are. And happy birthday to the beautiful and very sweet Audrey Weddington, who finally is old enough to buy me beer when she comes over to visit. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she looks it, but... She is turning 26 today. We're we're the same year model, 1995. 95. So, 95 model. That's what we both are because we've pretty much been dating since uh, vacation Bible school, basically, when we were like 10 years old. So been around together for a while. But it is her birthday. Brought her some Chick-fil-A for breakfast, some flowers. Building those brownie points, man. You got to build as many as you can for three months of the year. Hey, if Chick-fil-A doesn't build brownie points, nothing 
That's what I'm talking about. Nothing is going to build you in your brownie points. Chick-fil-A for a pregnant birthday woman. I mean, that right there, I, I think she'd probably give me a fourth month off to turkey on at this point. <laughs> Uh, well, tell me, tell me about your new recipes. You know, I'm very interested in that topic. Well, so uh, first of all, I'm not the cook in my family. You are the cook in your family. For now. Yeah, for now. Now, that's not to say that I can't cook or don't know how to cook. My wife loves to cook. So yeah. as long as she loves to cook. You'll love to eat. I, absolutely. Darn right I will. <laughs> and so she, uh, other than wild game, she pretty much cooks every meal that we have and she will cook some wild game for us but turkey breasts she's all over that she's she can cook those all day long but legs and thighs she's kind of shied away from and (laughs) hey she's not the only one there are a lot of people listening to this show and one who's talking right now who hasn't really shied away from it but hasn't had very good experiences with it. Just meaning, hey, the meat tastes good, but it's a little tough, a little chewy, got gristle in it, so on and so forth. So I've had a little bit better luck with the crock pot and the pressure cooker and the sous vide with thighs. But we cooked some thighs, gosh, it's been about a week ago, and so we were eating leftovers and... She made some venison fajitas Mm. one night, and we had some turkey thigh left over. And so I cut it up. Yeah, I cut it up and heated it up and threw it in there. And man, why not? I mean, that was that was pretty darn good. So I think that I'm going to do what you do with a good bit of your legs and thighs and grind them. And so it's been a game changer for me, man. Uh, I really, it has been the, the grinding. You take any chance of it being tough at them, you know, yeah. and it makes it very versatile. Do you add any fat? It depends on the recipe. If I make a turkey burger, I always add bacon and jalapenos while grinding okay. and make that because that's, I like a bacon jalapeno burger. I just, you know, it's pretty delicious for me. So I'll add bacon in there with, and like I get the good bacon, you know, pretty good, thick, fatty bacon. Sure. Not too much either. You know, I don't go crazy on it, but I do add some. And, but, you know, my meatball recipe, there's no fat necessary. You know, I've made tacos, even just something simple like that. Haven't had to add any fat to those. So yeah. it just kind of depends on what the recipe calls for. If it's something where I'm going to grind it and it's just going to be the straight up meat being grilled or something like that, then you probably do want to add some fat, I think. Yeah. But yeah. if I can get away with not adding any, I'd much rather not, you know. Sure. Okay. Just curious because yeah. I have yet to grind any wild turkey. Oh, yeah. You'll be, you'll be impressed because the flavor of the meat tastes, just strictly tastes excellent. 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 The problem is there's so many tendons and stuff in there, and then when you go to grind it, you've taken that problem away. So now you have a versatile meat. I'm, I'm going to uh, probably use venison. I still have a ton of grind meat. That's just what I call it for my couple deer that a dude shot for me last year. I think I'm going to make the, maybe some spaghetti and things like that with some of that. I, I just have to – I got to grind it up, all that neck meat and all that kind of the less desirable parts of the deer. 
Yeah. yeah. So I got a bunch yeah. of that. But yeah, man, I, anything you can use ground beef for, you can use ground turkey legs for. I promise. Absolutely. It'll it'll even be better tasting, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the fajitas prove that to me. This yeah. Week, yeah. Because so. you, I guess you cut it into small, thinner strips. Yeah. And so then it's very chewable and the flavor's great, you know? Yep. Yep. Cool. Awesome. Well, speaking of food and, and the real Cajun market, we're getting a little Cajun on this episode. Yes, we are. We're getting a lot Cajun, actually. We're there, going there's no little. <laughs> full blown Cajun. Yeah, it, you'll realize within 10 seconds of this interview, it's getting Cajun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have Hunter Lemoyne on the show with us this week. And Hunter is a competitive turkey caller and, of course, a full-blown eat-up-with-it turkey hunter. Like the, well, I'm not even going to say the majority. Like everyone who's listening to this show this time of year is. And all-around good guy. So he actually puts on the Louisiana State turkey calling competition mm-hmm. and shares a little bit of information about that with us in this episode. And we, he and I, Hunter and I, put a little bit of pressure on Cameron about competitive turkey calling. I don't know that that'll ever happen, but that, I also, another part of the interview I thought was interesting is the, we discussed with him about Louisiana and the turkeys there because i love talking to people from around the country and asking them well you know what are you seeing in your part of the country yeah and, uh, you know the the common hunter who's out there hunting and and working for turkeys year-round so that they can hunt them usually have pretty good perspective and so we ask him about that as well yeah so before i say let's jump in and go i've got to just remind you of one thing we are 274 days, 21 hours, 42 minutes, and 24 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama, which means that's long enough to incubate a baby, to hatch one right out of the egg. So nine months, just over nine months away. It'll be here soon. Yeah, so if you are planning to have a kid, you may want to go ahead and go for it now because you do not want to be having children in those three months. Well, I would say just abstain for the next yeah, three it, months. and You need to abstain now for the next three months so that that, that doesn't happen. So, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I'm having a baby in November. You know, I can't say that that timing wasn't calculated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we are in Tennessee. We're still 282 days, 21 hours, and 29 minutes from turkey season. Opening up, assuming no changes are made. And that's for the vast majority of Tennessee. There are portions that will open later, but that is when opening day will start for most of Tennessee. Yeah. Be so, here soon, man. It'll be yeah. here soon. Yeah. And so if you want to get the full cajun experience out of this week's episode i highly suggest getting you a package of real cajun market sausage from cullen lord that is the sponsor of our show he is the sole sponsor and reason that you're getting such awesome info so go support the real cajun market get you some cajun sausage toss it on the grill for about two minutes each side because it's already pre-cooked i mean you just got to heat it up put it on a plate chop it up maybe put a little mustard on there and then listen to this episode full cajun it cannot get more cajun than that 
I think that's a great idea. So tell everyone how they can get some the real Cajun market meats and sausages. If you want to support your mental health and support this show, you'll need to contact Cullen Lord or the real Cajun market on Instagram and Facebook. You can contact either of them over messenger, or you can call Cullen's wife, Ann, and Andy will provide that phone number for you. And so you can just do one of these things, contact them, order your sausage or crab cakes or anything that the real Cajun market has to offer. Tell them you heard about it from the Turkey Hunter podcast, and we would greatly appreciate any and all references to Cullen letting him know that you are supporting him because of our show. So Andy, let, it, let us know how they can get hold of Ann. Yeah, Ann Lord can be reached at 678-471-1150. That's 678-471-1150. And that is a purchase you will not regret. I will promise. Absolutely. Well, let's order your sausage and let's hop in to this Cajun episode for everybody. All right. We'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you that we have on the line with us today, Hunter Lemoyne from the great state of Louisiana, as we say it up here in Alabama. You can't tell at all that he's from yeah. Louisiana. No, 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 no. Well, we're, well, we're if y'all could, just... If y'all could talk to me a little bit in person, then y'all could understand my accent a little bit better, but I could understand with yours that you're definitely not from Louisiana, how you said Louisiana. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You'll get you'll get there. Keep hanging around some coon asses, and then you'll find your way. <laughs> yeah, you can tell uh, right where he's from. I've got quite a few friends from Louisiana, and they are some good folks. I've I've just I've been down there a bunch of times and had some awesome times hanging outside of Tiger Stadium, and Ooh, man. just salt of the earth. Some of the best people you'll ever be around in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they like you, you're good to go. Oh, yeah, now, you can even wear yeah, crimson now, and white down there if they like you. But if they don't like ooh, you, yeah, mm. I can tell you, if you're wearing crimson and white, you you already starting off behind the eight ball. That's for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did, we did. We started out behind the eight ball, but when you get in and you try to match beer for beer and shot for shot and bowl of gumbo for bowl of gumbo or jambalaya or plate of etouffee or whatever happens to be they they figure out pretty quick you're you're you might be wearing different colors but you're not too different on the inside ain't no doubt ain't no doubt yeah yeah wearing orange and white from tennessee folks usually just pity me instead of actually being offended these days there's truth to that yeah we yeah we don't we don't we don't threat the orange and white no more down here (laughs) We, we used to well, back when I was a kid, but now it's the crimson and white. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's well, right. We, we will forever hate orange and white in Alabama forever. So yeah, no matter no how worries. bad we are, that's good. right. And we're still trying to kick you while you're down. So don't, you know, don't don't change where you are. Stay where you are. We're happy with that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so. Hunter, for those who may not know you, I know you've appeared on a couple episodes of Penhody Project, and you're on social media, and you are a state champion turkey caller down there, right? Yes, I'm a three-time Louisiana Open champion. Uh, I've won the uh, Friction Division once, and I'm a two-time intermediate state champion in Louisiana, so. Nice. 
And one of the videos I saw of you using a wing bone. So I guess you're trying to master that one now. <laughs> yeah, actually, the, the wing bone is something I started using a few years ago. It's a uh, pretty good tool to have in your turkey vest. I got it got it here locally in Louisiana makes them, and uh, I got a few of them. And in my personal opinion, he makes probably the best in the country, in my opinion, just because of how he shaves the wing bone down and it echoes and hollows through the wood. Really effective tool, and I can tell you, if I, if I, if I go in the woods and I forget it, if I'm two miles in, I'm probably walking back to my truck to go get it out of there, so... Wow. Wow. That's, that that speaks a lot. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's almost like forgetting your shotgun. You know what I mean? <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, I've done that, too. I did that last year. Well, Dude. I haven't did that yet, but I, I'm sure the day is coming where I walk in the woods and I forget it, especially after one of them nights of drinking them cold beers. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah. I, I forgot mine after using it on a turkey, and it when I got home, I realized I didn't have a gun, and I looked at a photo that I took of me with the turkey and saw my gun laying against a tree in the background, and it was still there. Oh, so man. luckily I went back and got it about eight hours later. Well, well at, least you, at least you knew where it was at. That's a good thing. Yeah, luckily it was in that photo for me, so that was good. But does does your guy down there, do you know, if he, does he use gobbler, jake, or hen wing bones to make his calls? Do you know? As far as I know, it's strictly gobbler. Okay. He will make he will make one out of a hen or a jake, but he prefers gobbler. It's a bigger bone, get a better mm-hmm. sound, and you could kind of you can kind of work on them a little bit more as far as sanding them down and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. And you you've competed in the Grand Nationals too up there in, in Nashville, haven't you? Yeah. So um, actually, I competed twice as an intermediate, and I've competed four. I think I've competed four. Four times, I guess you can say, on the big boy stage with Matt Van Sice and Dave Owens and all them, them turkey fanatics. Yeah. The first two years I competed, didn't even come close to making the cut, just went up there just to say I did it, and kind of somewhat got serious about the turkey calling by making the cut. And the last two years I competed, I came actually really close to making the cut. So it's just whenever you get up to that that level, you know, you got to have all your everything you know, mm-hmm. everything ready to go, Need this, needless to say, because uh, whenever you get up there, your nerves play a huge effect in how you call, and having a good routine together is uh, is crucial whenever you get up there, because, I mean, you got to look, the, your top seven or eight out of the 12 that they picked to make the cut, any of those seven or eight people can very easily place first place, you know, so mm-hmm. you, you're really only working with, uh, with four or five places, you know, where people you know, where you're kind of on the fringe of people making the cut there. So it's tough, but, hey, uh, I love it. I'm looking forward to doing it this year. Hopefully they'll, they'll end up having it. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Do you – would you rather go be on the stage or be in the spring woods? Be in the spring <laughs> woods all day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, hey, some people like that calling aspect a lot too. That might nah, be the – man, I, from the first time I heard a turkey gobble when I was six, I fell in love with it, and it was – it's been something that's etched in my mind as a little kid, you know, and grew up hunting down here in Louisiana. Our turkey population was super, super plentiful. And due to the flooding and many other things, our turkey population has declined. But mm-hmm. even, I mean, back in the day hunting Louisiana, it was some of the best hunting probably in the southeast United States, in my opinion. It was phenomenal. And the turkey, you know, just turkey hunting in general has stuck with me through my whole life. And it's led me to places I thought I'd never be. But, you know, here we are now. And now I'm doing a podcast with you two clowns. So. <laughs> he already That's knows awesome. us. 
Yeah, he 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 pegged us right from the start. Uh-huh. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Well, well I think that is... I think what gave it away that we were clowns, and he just lumped me into that general description because I know you, Cameron, is you asked him if he'd rather be in the spring woods or on stage. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. I think that may be the dumbest question we've ever asked a guest on this show. Hey, but I still I'm, love you, Cameron. Uh, Don't get me wrong. <laughs> hey, I'm just just letting everybody know. That, uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, I think, Andy, I think you ought to run through some, some more questions with him, maybe some you know more what? intelligent ones. He's, well... I can already tell Hunter's feeling cocky, so we're either going to let him shine and show us all what he can do, or we're just going to bring him back to earth. But either with, hey, with either our, way, I'm good. Either way, I'm good with it. Well, <laughs> so what I want to see if you can do—well, I know you can do it—but what I want to see if you'll play along with is doing the rapid-fire Q and A, and it's basically me running through and asking you thirty questions just general questions about turkey hunting, kind of your preferences, your thoughts, no high-level math or science or anything like that until we get down to the very end of it, and then there's some science questions in there. But what I'll well, do... Well, hey, look, let's, let's, let's roll with it. Now, look, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, boys, I'm not one of these college graduates. I don't have a four-year degree under my belt, so y'all take it easy on me a little bit. Well, uh, you got well, years of turkey hunting degree under your belt, so you ought to be all right on these. I think you'll do fine, and you talk fast too, so I think you're going to do all right. Yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, let's roll with it and see what I got. Okay, I'm going to start the clock when I start the first question, and then when we hit the last question, you give the last answer. I'll stop it, and we'll see how you compare with some folks that we've had on the show before. Let's roll. All right. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey on the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? On the rocks. Number of grand slams? Couldn't tell you. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Absolutely not. Have you ever killed a jake? Oh, yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old or a 4-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a 4-year-old? Oh, the 2-year-old all day. Favorite camo pattern? Mossy oak obsession. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? (laughs) For dinner. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Less. State you killed your first turkey in? Louisiana. State you killed your last turkey in? Michigan. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Run and gun and not shoot. Rios or Osceolas? Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Field turkey? or woods turkeys woods turkeys shotgun scope rifle sight holographic sight or beads holographic rubber boots leather boots or snake boots rubber boots favorite place you've ever hunted louisiana chaffalai basin most turkeys you've ever killed in a season i couldn't tell you personal that's a uh, stays personal least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season four out of all the states you've hunted which state has the most uncooperative turkeys Louisiana. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? The plain yelp of a hen. On a scale of one to ten, how good of a turkey caller do you think you are? Uh, a struggling six. Favorite turkey hunting book? Um, that would probably have to be um, uh, One Man Game by Kenny Morgan. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? 
side of Quill from Louisiana. Think of the toughest turkey you ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? I did not. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Oh, spurs all day. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Probably calling too much and not being patient. How long does turkey season last in heaven and what is the bag limit? Uh, hopefully it lasts forever and there's an unlimited bag limit. You know, Cameron, he did pretty good. To be his first time on the show, he ripped through those pretty dang well. That's yeah. 2 minutes and 42.62 seconds, which, Hunter, that puts you third? solidly in third place. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Solidly wow. in third place. Bronze medal. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it. I, I never finish first much, but I'll take second or third any day. <laughs> and you gave good answers you know you, you, you expanded did. on some of them so it's not like you just ripped through it with no thought yeah 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 absolutely I, and i've listened to y'all podcast a little bit so i kind of had a you know somewhat of an idea of the, some of the questions y'all were going to ask but nice. you know i didn't quite know the answers to them you know so but anyways it's pretty cool well, yeah you did way better than i did on it i think i i took like 12 and a half minutes and you know missed four of the of the answers i mean it was it was pretty pretty bad was your experience in michigan you said was the last date did you go up there in june or was that a late may hunt no it was a uh it was the june hunt actually me and me and dave we put in for the june hunt uh, we applied for it got picked me and him hunted two different zones and and we were very well first first morning on june the first he killed a turkey and on june the second i killed a turkey so we were uh nice pretty successful a decent turkey population it honestly wasn't like i thought it was going to be i thought we were going to see a lot more turkeys there's obviously a lot of turkeys there um, mm-hmm. but we were mainly uh you know a lot of the turkeys were out in fields that we saw so we just kind of you know did our homework on them and we were fortunate enough to find some turkeys either that were roosting near some public land and had some fields that were that were public and we had a hell of a time so nice were, were they still gobbling good and coming to hen calls and stuff or did y'all have to try any different oh, tactics no no it was picture perfect hunt so i'm um, actually perfect. the first hunt with him we got set up on the edge of a field turkey was roosted back in the woods the turkey i mean sailed just right over our right shoulder about probably i don't know within 30 yards of us and landed out there oh, 45 yeah. yards in the field 40 yards and dave yelped to him a little bit had him gobble you know at us a couple times and uh, he ended up killing that turkey and then the next morning we had a awesome hunt i'm in a different zone kind of found these turkeys late in the evening and got permission on some private next to some public which kind of you know that way we could just have a little a little bit of a buffer there next to the public you know yeah the heck yeah don't go to the private and uh, we had an absolutely phenomenal turkey hunt. I mean, it was just picture perfect. We had a flock of hens come in front of us. Then we had the long beards and the jakes come in. And I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, kill one of those long beards, which ended my season, sadly. So. Yeah, well, you went out on a high note, so can't yeah, beat that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know Dave could call. Was he was he a decent <laughs> caller? I'd say I'm a struggling six, and he's probably a struggling seven. <laughs> yeah uh, that was nice of you to let him call to that turkey you know make him feel good yeah i had to boost his ego a little bit yeah oh hey look whenever i'm uh i'm hunting with dave it's it's a it's a treat to be able to hunt with a uh a phenomenal turkey hunter like that even more blessed that we have a great friendship together me and him and anytime getting in the woods with with him is just a treat i learned a lot of things hunting with dave over the past couple of years and anytime that you know we sit down and 
start yelping the turkey, it's uh, absolutely magnificent just to hear him call and stuff because his his calling abilities are far greater than mine. And just to hear how real of a hen that he sounds like is just, I mean, it's, it's quite mind-blowing. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard it live the year he won the Grand Nationals. It, it, he sounds pretty much like a turkey. I, I don't know how much more turkey like a human being can sound i i, I could agree with you 100 on that yeah and do you know know dave through the calling contest circuit yeah. or okay is that yeah that's how you met him? yeah so me and yeah me and dave met in the alabama turkey calling contest so i'm, I'm gonna lie to you and probably say 2016 um we kept up since then um and i think our first year hunting together was on the 2019 or 2020 tenhody project he came home with me in mississippi and had some ups and downs but we ended up uh, being able to tangle with a couple of them over there in south mississippi but since then we've always kept up on the phone and stuff like that and i knew it was just a matter of time before we got together and hunted and ever since then you know it was pretty much uh all downhill from there yeah yeah well i know you're from louisiana and usually folks have opinions about their own state and have more insight into their own state than others what do you think's going on down there i know you said yourself that populations have declined quite a bit and i think Um, the numbers would back that up but what what does your circle you know louisianans kind of think what's going on with your turkeys man it's a I'm going to tell you, I'm not one of these people to sit back on social media and gripe and complain. I see what's going on day in and day out. Um, I spend a tremendous amount of time in Turkey Woods, whether it's in February, March, April, whatever it might be. Even mm-hmm. when I'm not in the Turkey Woods during the month of October when I'm squirrel hunting, I'm squirrel hunting because I'm scouting for turkeys. You know, so yeah. it's a whole, I mean, I could go on with the things that are going on, but, you know, we've had a huge rise in predators over the last 10 or 15 years. The, the fur, the, the amount of people that were trapping coons, possums, skunks, whatever, for fur has diminished in the last 20 years. So you have a rise in predators, bobcats, coons, skunks, uh, coyotes, all of those things. Not only to mention, you throw in the fact over the last 15 years, the hog population in the state of Louisiana has just went out the roof. So mm-hmm. not only that, you have hogs that are now eating the mass acorn crop during the fall, and they're destroying nesting habitat. I'm not going to sit here and say the hogs go and strictly destroy the nest. I believe what's happening is, is the hogs are destroying the nesting habitat in the areas that I hunt flood. So whenever you have flood waters, it pushes all these predators up into the big fern ridges and hills where turkeys would nest. And I mean, y'all could pretty much put two and two together. What happens whenever mm-hmm. you, know, you have so little ground that the turkeys have to rely on the nest. And then you throw in hogs, skunks, snakes, possums, coons, bobcats, stuff like that. It's pretty hard for a turkey to make it down here nowadays. Another thing is the timber practices are horrible here in the state of Louisiana. Around, I'll say, 2010 to 2015 in the Chapman floodway from Morgan City all the way up to Wallace Parish where I hunt at, they went through a, just a, they just raped the timber, cut a lot, a lot of timber on the public grounds and even on the private grounds. So I think the timber practices have a lot to do with it. Another thing is the flooding. We can't control Mother Nature, but it just is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the amount of rains that we catch now during the months of March, April, May, and June are just unbelievable. And in this past April and May, we've had one recordable inches of rain in the state of Louisiana. Um, mm-hmm. That is the highest that 
I think that is the highest on record, if I remember uh, reading correctly. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you could just about imagine, you throw all these factors, it's pretty tough for a turkey to make it here. Yeah. And not to mention, and not to mention, you have a, a very high nation. People are still hunting here in Louisiana, like, just like anywhere in the South. I mean, uh, if the wildlife and fisheries is going to keep the season open, people like myself are still going to get out there and go bag their turkeys. And if not, we're going to give it hell trying, you know. So you yeah. still have a great hunter effort here in the state of Louisiana. We've caught a couple of good, bad years of hatching, and I can tell you, if the hunter population stays to a certain number and your turkey population isn't keeping up with that, you're going to have a decline with population very quickly. And that's what happened here in the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting you mentioned the rainfall in the springs the past couple of years because I think that's been not just Louisiana, but even West Tennessee where I am. We have a lot of floodwaters and things like that. Man, I'm telling you, the past I mean, it's probably been four or five years now. Every spring, we're getting spring floods like crazy right when we don't need them. And, yep, I mean, you, yep, you can't control it, man. But it, it's just, it just makes me sad every day. You know, they're late April or late May when I'm sitting there, and it's just pouring down. I know what's going on. Yeah, but on the bright side of things, you know, I kind of spoke a little negatively earlier, but it, it's something that needs to be discussed. We do need help from our wildlife and fisheries, from the NWTF and whatever organizations can can supply the help but really and truly it starts with our wildlife and fisheries and it probably starts with our private landowners you know here in the state of louisiana they've got to work yeah. together and the wildlife and fisheries has got to implement a no jake law here in the state of louisiana you know the dumbest thing i've ever seen we've our populations are down but they're still allowing people to go out there and shoot jakes whenever they want which i'm totally against especially when the population's at an all-time low like it is now now, yeah. on the bright side of things, this past year in the state of Louisiana, I had a phenomenal year. Usually my turkey seasons in Louisiana, I don't have really much to gripe about. I always put in the time and effort to scout, and I have some really good places that still have turkeys that are still high enough they don't flow. But yeah. the last two springs, I've seen a very decent amount of jakes. And this year, we've actually heard a good amount of jakes gobbling. Um, I've seen probably, I'm going to say around a dozen jakes just turkey hunting here in louisiana which is awesome because i don't think they honestly had that great of a hatch this year i'm gonna just go out on them just with the amount of rainfall we had um Mm -hmm. i just don't know how many baby turkeys are nests that that can make it through that you know so the future the future is still bright from louisiana like in the florida parishes everybody i talked to had a phenomenal turkey season everybody was hearing turkeys killing turkeys around turkeys they were seeing jakes um i've heard a couple of reports of a couple of poult sightings up in uh, st helena parish which is awesome you know but you know what it took it wasn't the wildlife and fisheries that took this population to come back it took the private landowners to not shoot the jakes to not hunt their property for two or three years to do the proper brood and nesting habitat on their property to get this this turkey population to somewhat have a little bit of a rise here in some parts of the state of louisiana so hats off to those guys that are has the private lands that are doing the work hats off to you guys because you know i can tell you from the wildlife and fisheries standpoint i hate to bash them but we're not getting any we're not getting much help from them so Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so besides Louisiana, you seem like you travel to Turkey quite a bit. Are you 
pursuing the super slam i mean i feel like most people are at this point but are you also pursuing super slam well I, you know it's, it's sort of about four or five years it's kind of been i guess you'd say a goal of mine and and now mm-hmm. i'm just to the point i'm gonna travel and turkey hunt wherever i want i'm not gonna let the super slam get in the way of my love and passion for turkey hunting yeah I'm gonna if if I want to go and hunt a state that I like hunting two or three years prior, hell, I'm going back and hunting it. I already had plans to go hunt a couple states next year that I've already visited in the past, just because I enjoyed the turkey hunting there. I'm not I'm not gonna get very wrapped up in trying to hurry up and and finish killing a turkey in all 49 states. I'm gonna kind of just truck along at my own pace, and whenever I finish, I'll finish, and that's about it with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. How was this past spring for travel for you? What, where uh, where all did you get to go? I started, my, my first trip, I started up in the Pacific Northwest, hunted Montana, Idaho, Washington, and Oregon. I mean, it was just a, uh, I mean, going turkey hunt up there, killing a turkey is a very small part. Whenever you go to that part of the country, the scenery is just breathtaking. Yeah. Yep. I'm sure you guys have been up there to, to those parts, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's, the best way I could describe it is, is breathtaking. It's you know we roll in Idaho, we hunt there, and, and I was thinking it's going to be more ponderosas, you know, kind of big forest on there. We got into the area, and it was just rolling plains. There was timber there, but just big rolling plains. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous wheat fields, alfalfa, and the turkey population was plentiful. Can I tell you? They wouldn't want to send a, a coon ass up there that didn't kill no turkeys in Louisiana for a whole month. <laughs> They don't want to send him up there with a couple of boxes of shells. I could promise you that. <laughs> be a bad he'd probably, combo. He'd probably, oh, yeah, it'd be a very bad combo. And from there, we go into Washington. We hunt there. Had a phenomenal time. We hunted some, uh, it was my favorite part of the whole trip was Washington just because of the scenery. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. That's all I'm going to say. The turkey hunt was great. We go into Oregon, hunted there. Got permission to hunt on some private land because the area we were going was actually completely snowed over, so we couldn't make it there. So hmm. on the way out, we were fortunate enough to get permission on some private land, enjoyed ourselves there, had a great time, full of turkeys. Then we roll into Montana, and Montana was a little challenging just because the place we went didn't have a lot of turkeys. We knew we were going to find turkeys eventually. We just had to find them. And good Lord willing, our first day there, I was able to find some turkeys. They roosted up in the National Forest. Next morning, we were within 60 yards of them. Whenever they flew down, it wasn't shortly after I was able to kill a uh, turkey in Montana. So, yeah, that was pretty much summed up my uh, Pacific Northwest and then went into Michigan later in the June. And, and, and the rest was history, so. Very yeah. cool. Heck of a year. That sounds like one heck of a trip up to the Northwest. Absolutely. And um, and then not to mention, I hunted a hell of a lot in Mississippi and Louisiana. Yeah. Next year, I'm, I'm going to try to do a little bit better effort to maybe get in the states like Texas or Alabama, Georgia, Florida early and try to do some hunting in March. It's just so hard to leave home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. So how many states does that make for you? with the, the states you killed I in kill, this past season? Whenever I killed in Michigan, I think that either made 27 or 20, 26 or 27. Yeah. Nice. You're making some good strides. So, yeah. We're about tied. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Oh, yeah, man. I'm going to just kind of keep this uh, this race like the turtle, and I'm going to just go along with it. I'm going to enjoy myself and try to kill turkeys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that of the people that we've had on the show that have finished it, you know, most of them say that, if they were going to do something different, they would 
just enjoy it. You enjoy it more yeah. instead of you shoot one and you know, and we and we do this, but and I'm sure you have in the past and probably did when you were on your big trip out to the northwest, but you shoot one in the morning at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning and at nine fifteen, nine twenty, you're in your vehicle headed to the next state, you know, and instead yeah. of just kind of enjoying the the process and you know just the whole journey yeah i can honestly say that throughout my whole experience of hunting the new states and stuff like that i honestly i'm trying to remember but i honestly can't think of a of a time where we just killed our turkeys and left besides the only time that i can remember doing that was in oregon we shot our turkeys which we knew it was kind of the only place that we we had to hunt unless we wanted to drive another four or five hours around but i think Oregon was the only place we kind of shot our turkeys we smoked a cigar and you know just kind of sat down with them for an hour or two and then started heading west other than that man i've always tried to you know uh, for instance we went to tennessee and kind of had tennessee and missouri lined up and Tennessee gave you four tags, so I was staying until I was going to feel them four tags, you know what I mean? Hunted the second week of the, the season there, and, and I was kind of sketchy because it was uh, during the COVID pandemic or whatever they want to call that that government-made mm-hmm. virus that we have now. So we just some phenomenal hunting. Now, I will say it was like that this year. I talked to a couple of guys that kind of went to the same area, and they said it was a little tough just with hunter pressure and stuff like that, which I'm sure – a lot of states will start experiencing more of that here in the upcoming years, you know? I, I can promise you the hunter pressure in Tennessee was on another level this year. <laughs> yeah. I was here yeah. all year. It, it was it was something to behold. I, I, it was something else. I guess it just lined guess, up this year. It was on everybody's schedule. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, that's something us as turkey hunters, you know, we'll, you know, I think we'll start running into more and more, you know, going hunt these new states and stuff like that because I can tell you, it's the trend now that uh, chasing the super slam and mm-hmm. 49 and stuff is, is, is the trend and, and people are doing it on public land, you know, yep. it's just, it's, it's what's going on. Do I think it'll fade? Absolutely. I think it'll fade with time, you know, or I think people either get tired of it or people are going to complete it and that that'll be it. You know, I think it'll, it's good that people are doing that, going out there, experiencing it because uh, turkey hunting's the greatest thing I think that you can do in North America as far as chasing any type of wild game. So, Hey, hats off to the people that are going out there and chasing it. I just hope that these people that are chasing it don't forget why, you know, they're actually doing actually why they're actually you know, doing it. It's for the wild turkey. You know, I hope they don't get caught up in kind of the speeding through these states uh, because it's cool or because it's something they see on social media. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. So what are your plans coming up this year? Are you competing? Is When when does Louisiana have their competition? I, I feel like it's – is it pretty soon? Actually, I set, I set a date on it. Oh, you set the ago. date? Yeah, actually, so I, I put on the turkey calling contest here in the state of Louisiana. I started it about three or four years ago. I kind of took it over, and it's going to be August 21st in uh, Hammond, Louisiana. Shoot, I'm already itching for it. I'm ready I'm ready to get it on. Well, hold on. So if you start it, you're, you're running it, and you've won it three times, and you've been running it for three years. Are those the three you won? <laughs> no, they are. They are. <laughs> I get that messing. question a lot. They're like, "Well, hold on, you put on the turkey." Are you the judge too? <laughs> oh man, I couldn't tell you how many people mess with me about that. But 
Hey, we uh, <laughs> it's a it's still a pretty fair system here in Louisiana. I've I've always strived for that. In the years past, you know, you always go to these competitions and you have the people that don't win. They always drive. Well, it was rigged. Well, it was this. I can tell you our last contest that we had, I got beat in both divisions by Mr. Bruce Sally, who's a shoot, he's a phenomenal friction caller, you know. So we we still have some good callers in Louisiana. So you still got to get out there and you know, oh yeah, one hundred and ten percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Is that, as far as setting up a calling competition, is that pretty time-consuming for you? Not really, man. It's just kind of one of those things I love, so it, it times nothing to me whenever it comes to putting yeah. on those, these contests. I, my my whole deal about the contest is I want to have the best payouts that I can possibly have for the for the divisions. So. And, and when I say that, I want the best payouts for the guys that are traveling to come to my state to come to compete in my turkey calling contest. I know it's an NWTF sanctioned event, but I do an outside raffle. I raise the money for the event, and all that money strictly stays and goes back to the callers. None of my money goes back to the NWTF. So that's kind of where I see a lot of these other contests kind of fall into well man, we won first place is only 300 bucks, 400 bucks. Well, yeah, that's because they have to give the NWTF 70% back, you know? So mm-hmm. um, there's a couple little ways you have to go to get around that. But um, I've learned that's the best way to get out-of-state turkey callers to come to your state and compete is having big payouts and having a good, fun, fair event. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. What is- because you got to look at it. If if I'm going drive to just say North Carolina to go beat in the turkey call contest, if I win first and it's just three four hundred bucks, well then that that's not even covering my gas or my hotel room. You know what I mean? Right. So I mean it's you know it's something I've always listened from non-resident or yeah non-resident callers, and then for me traveling going to turkey calling contests, you know. So I just kind of whenever I took it over, I wanted to put together something that could have the best possible payouts and just have the you know one of the best events i could possibly put together especially and it all sorts with the with the payouts at the end of the day you know if somebody's driving to georgia com- competing louisiana he wins first and he gets some fifteen hundred dollars in his pocket you best believe he's going to spread the word and he's going to come back the following year to come compete you know yeah so let me ask you this what being a competition caller like yourself what would you say to someone who is good enough to compete but doesn't want to what how would you try to sell that person on oh well, man, I mean, we have like in louisiana i have a hunters division every year so it's somebody that's never competed in a turkey calling contest or somebody that's never placed top three in a turkey calling contest man get out and go compete you know i mean i could remember my first time going on stage in louisiana for a contest and i was just nervous Oh, man, I couldn't push air across the top of the call. That's how nervous I was, you know? Get out there and do it. That's the, about the only thing I can tell you. Don't don't get caught up in, oh, I'm not good enough, or I'm going to make a fool out of myself. Hey, look, I'm, I've gotten up there. I'm no expert by any means. I'm not a mad band size of Dave Owens, none of those type of guys, you know? I'm, I'm really just an average turkey caller that loves to turkey hunt, you know? And... I still go out there and I mess up frequent, but once you get up there and you do it one time, it's like you want to get up there and you want to do it again. You want to go compete again. You want to keep competing. And now I'm to the point to where I still get nerves a little bit, you know, I'll still get the jitters. I wish I could just shotgun one of them 10 ounce beers right before the contest and I'll be fine. But people will probably frown upon that. 
you know. But uh, <laughs> I'll joke aside, though. I mean, I, I still get the jitters and stuff, but man, once you get up there, you just flow with it, let it roll, and everything else is under the table from there. But to somebody new going out there competing, I can tell you, I was there. You know, I was man. I don't want to go out there and embarrass myself. You know, just make it seem like I don't know how to turkey call. Man, who gives a a rat's tail about that just get out there and go do it because at this point in age in the competitive turkey calling we need guys out there coming experience it we need guys coming compete you know because the numbers on that are way down to where they were i'm gonna say 20 30 years ago so we need the we need more really? competitive callers to keep to keep it alive absolutely yes and the thing that scares me is that i don't see any young a lot of young kids competing in these contests so right. to, the, to the dads out there that are going to listen to this the grandpas, or even if you're a young kid, listen to this. Go pick you up a, one of them box helpers, start practicing, and go enter a turkey calling contest. You, I promise you, you won't regret it. Yeah. Huh. So the that's that's interesting to me because, I mean, we're record levels of turkey hunters, but the calling competitions are ha- are, are decreasing in numbers. That That's interesting to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I could remember my buddy Side Aquila, who's he's a – know five or six time former state champion he could tell me in the late 80s and and throughout the 90s they used to have anywhere from 15 to 25 people competing just in the louisiana open that's just resident then you have guys like saddle mcgraw and jim pollard and all those guys they used to come travel every year because we had such a good payout in louisiana so he said on the open division you might have had you know there was no telling some years he could remember they had anywhere in the upper 20s amount of callers you know people competing in-state guys and out-of-state guys so and i, I kind of hear that throughout all the states you know it, it's it's a it's a decrease in the number of callers but hey i'm, I'm trying to keep it alive you know I, i'd like to see some more younger kids get involved um that would really really brighten me up to see that but and i think it will come with time we have some uh, i have some really good help this year with our contest so i think we're going to get a good amount of young people coming to compete with Polk juniors and intermediate. So we'll see what happens on that. Cool. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Hunter, but the competitive calling scene has gotten so bad in the respect of participation that some states have quit having their state competitions, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Texas, they used to put one together every year and they quit having their contest. I know Mississippi, they went a while that they didn't have a contest, and that started three, four, five years ago, something like that. I'm sure Florida will have one this year. Alabama always have one. That's kind of like the, the Mac Daddy of the, the state contest is Alabama. Mm. I'm sure Georgia have one. And, you know, as far as some of the other states, I don't know that South Carolina had one in the last couple of years. I could be wrong. Does Tennessee have one? Yeah, Tennessee has one. And I'd love to go to the Tennessee one. They just have it every year to where it's opening weekend of teal season here in Louisiana. So whenever the season's available for me to go hunt something, I'm going hunt. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Y'all get a lot of blue wings down there where you are. We don't get many of them around here. Yeah. We have a phenomenal blue wing teal hunting here. Whenever the, uh, the frontal patterns kind of line up and whenever we have a good full moon, it, it could be, uh, it could be a barrel burner. That's for sure. Yeah. Fun yeah. stuff. Blue rockets rolling around. So I host a podcast with this guy that is a pretty decent turkey caller, and I keep telling him he ought to just try competitive (laughs) calling. And he says, no, no, no. I mean, every time you ought to try it. No, 
nope, the only judge I care about is covered in feathers and has a red, white, and blue head. That's nope, right. Nope, not interested, not interested. So, well, I mean, hey, you get that a lot, man. I hear it I hear it all the time, but My only judge is the turkey in the woods, you know what I mean? And I absolutely 100% I, I, I get that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Me too. Well. <laughs> But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I mean, it's, there's, I mean, man, I know a lot of guys out there that are some really, really good turkey callers, and they can do really good on a Grand National stage, even a, on the state levels, you know. But they tell me the same thing: oh, I ain't fooling with it. Uh, you know, my, you know, as long as I'm turkey hunting and I'm killing turkeys, I'm happy. And hey, if that's if that's how they want to go about it, then more to them, you know what I mean? I'll never knock nobody that that doesn't want to come to a competition. But I think they a lot of people at least need to go try it, you know? Well, well tell me this. If I wanted to compete, let's say, in Tennessee for turkey calling, how do I go about doing that? You Is it sponsored the, through uh, NWTF? Well, the, the calling contests have to be sanctioned through the NWTF in order for the competitors to qualify for Grand Nationals. Mm-hmm. So you can go on the NWTF webpage and the whoever runs the website and the events in the state of Tennessee should post the date of the turkey calling contest at least 60 days ahead of time. And do you just, I've never done one. If I wanted to go, I can just show up and compete? Oh, absolutely. Bring all your, your mouth yelpers and box callers and, and friction strikers, all y'all got, and bring everything you got and go and you just walk up in there, pay your money, and for whatever divisions you want to compete in, pay your money and, and go compete. You know, they have a friction division, which strictly it's friction only, scratch box, slate call, box call, stuff like that. And then you have the open divisions, which is usually a, a, your mouth yelpers, but you can compete open divisions also with friction. It's an open division. You can use whatever you want. Interesting. Interesting. Is that how the the Grand Nationals, you can use whatever you want, correct? The, right. Well, the one yeah, I'm on the thinking di- of, at least. Yeah. Yeah. So on the open division, you use whatever you want. I remember one year, uh, Matt Van Sice, you know, a lot of guys use strictly um, ah, uh, just mouthy uppers because they, they sound, to me, they sound more realistic. So. And for you friction guys, listen to this. I don't mean no harm. There are a lot of really good friction callers that have like turkeys. Just to me, you can be a little bit more realistic with a mouth yelper. But I can remember one year, Matt Van Sice tree yelped on a on a uh, slate call, and it was oh man, it's Matt Van Sice. You know, anything he touches sounds like a turkey. But yeah, I mean, people compete in the open divisions yeah. in Grand National with friction. So. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's still pretty cool to see some of those guys. And, I mean, hell, the last time we had our contest in Louisiana, I got beaten in open division by a friction caller. So, I mean, if you're just running friction, get out there and go run them, you know. I mean, there's still yeah. a very good chance you can win or place top three or five in a competition, you know. Yeah, I know. I think the year Dave won it in Nashville, which I was there watching that year, Van Sice used, I think it was two pot calls as his fighting purse, and he was running them both at the same time. And, man, it sounded good. Yeah, yeah, and I've seen uh, guys do that too. They'll strap those uh, those those slate calls or whatever to their top of their thighs and yeah, that's what he did. It. But yeah, yeah, man. So you know, if anybody looking to go compete in the turkey calling, man, just go do it. You know, you I promise you, you're not gonna have any regrets. You're gonna meet some great people. You're gonna have a great time, and just go and listen to some of these other guys that are really, really good is going to help you become a better caller also. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Definitely. Yeah, that's so a fact. You, you can always listen to audio, but always for myself, whenever I can listen to a hen turkey or a really good turkey call in person, I can kind of somewhat try to mimic that sound a little bit better versus hearing it on audio. I know it sounds a little weird, but I've always, you know, if I can see it and hear it, you know, I can try to, I, I have a better chance of imitating it. But just listen off the audio, some people can probably roll with it fine. Just for myself, if I can see it and hear it, I can do a lot better, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. I'll, I'm going to look into Tennessee and see if we even, I don't, I don't know that they're having one this year. I, I look, looked online while we've been talking. I don't see one. Well, I know there's a guy, Billy Roberts. You probably follow him on Facebook or something. Uh, he's a big friction caller in Tennessee. Probably get with, with Mr. Billy, and uh, he could probably tell you when they're going to have it because usually he helps put it on every year. Cool. Billy Roberts, I'll do it. Yeah, Cameron, I don't think – I mean, I might be wrong, but he has a tough time or would probably have a tough time competing on the friction calls because he can't keep one. He tends to lose them all. But yeah. he's been yeah. working on rubbing his two legs together and <laughs> and coming up with a yelp like that. Now, it sounds pretty decent, but it needs a little work. So I think, yeah. you know, like a cricket does you with might, some cricket sounds, but he makes a, a good hen yelp. Yeah, or you might have to put a little Vaseline or something in between your kneecaps, get a little bit more of a high pitch in them. Yeah, yelp. that's right. That's right. <laughs> See, Hunter knows how to do it. Cameron, that's, that's the kind that's of stuff it. you're going to learn if you go and compete, man. That's where I get my kiki. I, I was trying to keep that a secret. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I thought no, the kiki Cameron, came you, from eating beans. I tell you what, if you kiki in out of that, out of the hole I think y'all about talking about, then you in a bind, I can promise you that. Because <laughs> I can tell you one thing, beans, cold beer and beans don't go together. I can tell you from experience. <laughs> oh, me. Well, uh, he, he wasn't lying about me losing my pot calls. If any of our listeners out there find a pot call in the woods in a state somewhere, it's probably mine. Because I, I have exactly zero under ownership right now because they're strung out over the United States from this year. Yeah, he lost some good <laughs> ones this year, too. Yeah, I did. I oh, lost man. a Pollard call that I I got to use it a total of twice before I lost it in Maryland after missing a turkey and running after him like an idiot. But that's oh, just man. part of it, man. I'm, I'll get another one, I guess. Yeah, you got to get another one from Jim. In my opinion, he makes, makes some of the best pot calls Ooh, yeah. out there on the market that you can buy so yeah i think i had the nasty gal and it, it that thing sounded good yep that's what i got in my vest i'm the only one i carry yeah yeah i like that call a lot but that's cool that's cool info because you know we have quite a few callers on here but i don't know how many calling competition hosts or or you know people that run them like you do that we've had on here so it's interesting to hear that aspect of the sport Right, and y'all want to get into some 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 really good details. Y'all y'all get in touch with that Van Sysdale. That, that that guy right there, he's he, he's the best in my opinion. I think he'll go down as the best all time turkey caller, friction and open. I mean, he's he's phenomenal. He just anything that he puts his hands on turns into a real hen turkey automatically. You know, so you know, I don't know uh, that it would win the calling competition, but. Him on a Gulvis Yelper sounds so much like a real hen to me. It's unreal. Well, I can tell you some of the – I've heard some talk. Now, I, I got some Gulvis Yelpers, and I've, I've yelped on them a little bit, but nothing like what he sounds like. 
But I've heard of people getting scored really low on them garbage helpers, and I'm just that's what I'm myself, saying. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, man, if I'm a if I'm a judge, that's a twenty in my book all day long. There's no question oh my about gosh. it. You know, the throatiness uh, and and diaphragm sound coming out of it from deep in. I mean, it that those things sound so much like a dang turkey. Yep. But, but if you can blow. You know, yeah, absolutely. If you can blow, and, and I, I haven't still perfected how to, you know, correctly push air across the top of them or exactly mm-hmm. what they're doing. I'm sure one day if I can finesse it, I can get a little bit closer than where I'm at now. But, you know, it just goes to show you that throatiness and stuff. It, some of these, the judges and stuff, they don't even have a clue. It just goes completely over their head, you know, and they'll score a 13, 14, or 15. when really, that, that needs to be scored a 20, in my, my opinion, because... This is about as real yelping as I think oh, you yeah. can get. Pure you know? turkey. Some people say they sound like a dog barking and this and that. Hey, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what makes the world go go around, you know, opinions and stuff like that. But I know if I'm sitting behind the curtain and they come running around them goldfish yelpers the right way, it's a 20 in my book all day long. So unless yeah. they, they mess up something on the call or something like that. But, yeah, they goldfish yelpers, are, uh, if you know how to push the air across them, they can be extremely – yeah, deadly for sure. Totally, totally different call because I I bought some myself. I fooled around with them some. I don't have it down either yet, but it it is the way you push the air, like you're saying, it's different. It's very different than your standard mouth call. Absolutely, no doubt, no doubt about it. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the the turkey calling competitions, and hopefully we'll have a uh, I have a very speedy off season as far as with my duck season and stuff like that because. I am a very avid duck hunter, so preparation for that starts pretty much now. You know, start spraying duck holes and getting everything mm-hmm. ready for that. And then duck season kind of – I never quit thinking about turkey hunting. I think about it every day, but duck season kind of helps me. Nice bridge. Yeah, it's a nice bridge. It's a nice bridge for sure. So it, it kind of helps me get through. And then come the last day of, of – duck season just say january the 30th or 31st come february the first i'm burning up youtube looking at turkey hunting videos so um <laughs> it's uh, probably my my worst itch comes probably the middle of february it's just I, oh, I'm yeah. breaking out the turkey vest the camouflage i'm seeing what all the turkey calls i got i gotta put my hands on everything you know start loading shells yeah shooting my gun even though i know i don't have to shoot it but i i Somehow or another, I end up wasting four or five shells every year shooting different chokes and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm I'm ready for it, needless to say, even though it just ended. Yeah, yeah. I catch myself in that time of year where I look at the weather and it's like, oh, it's going to be 40 degrees and sunny. Maybe they're gobbling. You know, I'm going to go out and listen, even though I know that by the time season gets here, they might be six miles down the road. But I don't care. I want to hear them Absolutely. gobble. <laughs> yeah. Ain't no doubt, man. Ain't no doubt. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, in February, I get out and I go do a lot of scouting in Mississippi and stuff, and a lot of people are like, man, you, you already know where the turkey's at. You've been hunting up there for so long, and hey, every year is different. And not only that, I like to go hear them gobble. You know, I'm not going in there blowing no owl call, crow call, nothing with my mouth, or mouth yelping to them. Just go in there, scout, and see where they're at, because, you know, this year we ran in, I ran into a very big obstacle. In Mississippi, we, we didn't have an acorn crop in mississippi at all i'm talking about none mm. so all the the little bottoms and you know the creek bottoms and stuff that i normally find a good amount of turkeys in there were no turkeys all these turkeys have filtered onto the private lands and 
going to their corn feeders and food plots and so on and so forth, you know? So um, a year like this year, which I was a little, that was kind of took me by surprise, but that's why you go and scout for years like this, because you never know when the forest will produce the acorns and just really that's what I ran into this year. And the turkeys move, you know, just because they're in one bottom one year doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be right there the following year, you know? So yeah, you got to get out there and go scout. Now, I don't recommend everybody going out, going in the woods in February, blowing an owl call, crow call, yelping on the side of the road trying to locate turkeys. Because I, I can tell you from experience, I've seen it. A lot of times in February in South Mississippi, the turkeys can still be in their winter flocks. So come time March the 15th, just because you heard them there on February the 15th or February the 20th doesn't mean that that group of turkeys is going to be there come March the 15th, you know? Yeah, I've had that happen here as well. It's, that's a good, good point. For sure. Well, yeah, Hunter, I sure appreciate you coming on here. I think we've kept you a little over an hour. I think I told you 30 minutes on the text, but I, I sure appreciate you coming on here and talking to us and taking time out of your day to talk to us a little about Louisiana calling competitions and your turkey hunting. Been good. Absolutely. Absolutely, Absolutely man. I, I appreciate y'all having me on and hopefully we can continue to spread the word throughout the United States about trying to help our turkey populations and trying to get these, these wildlife and fishery agencies and DNRs kind of on step, especially in the state of Louisiana and other um, states as far as, you know, doing their part. I know there's a ton of great biologists out there that are giving it 110 percent, but we need more. We need more of those biologists that are giving the 110 percent. We need more of those biologists out there mm-hmm. doing the research, doing the effort, giving seminars, giving classes to private landowners, posting on social media their encounters with wild turkeys and what they're experiencing. We need more biologists like that that truly care about the wild turkey. So, with all that being said, fellas. I had a great time with y'all. Heck yeah, yeah man. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck this duck season. Good luck in your calling competition. I'm sure you'll judge yourself well. And... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you I'm never know. Me. I might go. I might. I might go slip some twenties back there behind the curtain to them judges. You know, try to help me out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you know, I'm just messing uh, with you. But I hope you. I hope oh, you I have don't... a good, good off season and a good spring next year. If we don't talk to you before then yeah definitely i i partners will look y'all have a good one it was a pleasure doing the podcast with y'all godspeed and until next time good talking to y'all man y'all be careful you too all right. thank you see you hunter bye goodbye all right buddy bye that was fun that was fun i i gotta say i, I like hunter he seems like a pretty cool dude i think i think i could sit around and hang out with him and we'd have a good time you know he just seems like one of those kind of guys yeah I wonder if you could hang with him, though, because <laughs> those those Cajuns, they're on a different level than the average person is. Yeah, they, they, they are their own ecosystem down there. It, it's just different. So Cool mm-hmm. stuff, though. I think he's pretty decent turkey caller, even if he is the <laughs> runner, judge, and competitor <laughs> in the competition. <laughs> I bet he's still pretty good. I've heard him a couple times. and I know some of our listeners who 
watched YouTube or are on social media have probably seen Hunter. He's on Instagram and Facebook, and he also has made a couple appearances on the Penhody Project, as we discussed, because him and Dave, I guess, became friends through the calling competitions. But yeah. cool dude, and good insight into Louisiana's turkeys. I think he provided some some cool info there also you don't i don't don't know have we interviewed any other people who run a calling competition no we really haven't yeah so that that was cool to hear how that goes and and interesting to me that that is fading meanwhile turkey hunting is massively increasing yes that is that is an interesting complex to me well we talk about this a good bit in some upcoming episodes but i think that the majority of that has to do with the fact that it's just really exploded over the last few years yeah turkey hunting that is and so you know i think that as the years go by if these people who have gotten into the sport here recently continue that you'll see more competitive callers on the scene in these competitions yeah yeah plus you had a covid year last year which would have devastated the calling competitions i'm sure yeah. And even this year, you know, no NWTF convention and that kind of thing. I mean, it just has been a tough year for calling competitions the past two years. So, yeah. That probably hadn't helped anything. But, you know, if you are wanting to do that, contact Hunter over social media. I'm sure he can point you in the right direction on, you know, what to do if, if this week's episode didn't give you enough info on how to get involved in that. But if that is something you're looking at doing, contact him. I'm sure he can point you in the right direction. Sure, they'd love to let you come call for them down in Louisiana. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that is gonna be our favor of the week because really that's you know kind of a little side, I don't know, a little little side action of the sport. Yeah, that yeah. I really don't want to see go away. I mean, I don't compete, and I don't. It's not like I go and watch the Alabama State competition every year. But when I go to Nashville, I enjoy oh, the, yeah, the competition. It's very fun. And so I don't necessarily want to see that go away. So for any of you guys who have any interest at all in getting into competitive calling, and look, you may be the best turkey caller you know. When you get into competitive turkey calling, you're going to realize that you're not the best turkey <laughs> caller because these guys who've been competition calling for years are extremely good at it but you look at a guy like dave owens who really didn't do a lot of competitive calling it's not like he grew up doing it but got into it at a later age and you know has done extremely well with it so it can happen i think it's just you know something that people are going to have to realize that hey once you get into it there's going to be a few step setbacks and that you are not going to you know come out and and finishing the top 10 yeah so and hey maybe your hen calling absolutely sucks but maybe you're blessed with a gobble you know you can yeah. do gobbles you can do owls we've had an owl competition on here i know some folks out there can owl absolutely do all kind of stuff it help you pass the time you know and and i think that's a good favor of the week if you have any interest there reach out to somebody involved in the calling competitions and, and get involved you know yeah those worst guys... things that can happen is do i well, I was just going to say, those guys that compete, they want more competition. I mean, yeah. they, they want more people into, you know, in competitive calling. And so they're willing to share 
information with you. So reach out to yeah. anyone that you know that does any kind of competitive calling. I really, I really would be shocked if you find some roadblocks. Yeah, they'll, they'll share information on competitive calling, not on their turkey hunting, but exactly. on the competitive calling. <laughs> exactly. Different, different ball game there, but yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. And hey, if you hit it big and you started because you heard us talking about it on this show, we wouldn't mind if you win the Grand Nationals in a Turkey Hunter podcast T-shirt. You know, hey, just go do that. That should be the goal. There we go. We'll awesome. sponsor you with with some high fives. That's right. <laughs> some slaps on the back. Yeah, you'll get one big slap on the back from both of us. Uh huh. <laughs> for your service. <laughs> oh, oh man. But well, cool episode, man. Yeah, yeah, wrap it up for us. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.